Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sachs' Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher. I'm an associate professor at Clemson University, and I'm also your host for this program. Today, I'm pleased to be talking with Dr. Jason Umfress and Dr. Susan Davies about the connections and opportunities between enrollment management and different student affairs functional areas. Thanks to both of you for joining me this morning. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. Absolutely. Before we start our conversation, I like to start and, you know, we're all good at this is what I do and this is my job, but it's nice to get to know each other a little bit outside of work. So before we start um, talking about the work stuff, would you talk a little bit about who you are outside of your job? So hobbies, things you do for fun, what you're reading, watching, listening to, whatever you choose to share. And Jason, if you wouldn't mind starting. Sure. Yeah. Happy to. Um, well, and thanks for this question, Michelle. This is a really important thing. Uh, one of the things that I always like to do uh, is start uh, meetings and, and that sort of thing with a joy list, right? Where we focus on things that are important to us. And so uh, this is very much uh, along those same lines because uh, we, of course, bring who we are to work and, and who we are outside of work. Those should be uh, pretty close to the same. But um, I, I am recently married. I just got married back in November. So that's been kind of a big thing. Uh, my husband and I live in a historic home uh, in Brunswick, Georgia, beautiful little coastal town uh, in Georgia. Uh, and so with our, with our dog Luke uh, and our, our cat Jackson. Uh, so being, if you've ever lived or, or known anyone who's lived in a, in a historic home, then you know that there's always a project. Uh, so, so what we like to do on, on our days off and when we're not doing other things is, is learn how to, I don't know, do things like plaster and retile a bathroom and, and, and all of those kinds of things. Uh, so, so that's a lot of fun uh, for us. I also uh, have this very coveted title of world's best uncle. Uh, I have been uh, <laughs> I've been an uncle for my oldest niece is 30 years old this year. So I've been a, an uncle for 30 years uh, and I take that job very, very, very seriously. Uh, so my family really does mean uh, a ton to me. I enjoy communicating with them, spending time with them. Uh, I live away from from my family mostly. Uh, so my my chosen family is also really important, our neighbors and friends and uh, and those kinds of things. So that's that's a really important piece. As far as what I'm what I'm, I'm reading, um, I, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, um, that uh, what I'm reading and, and watching now, especially on a professional podcast, I watch trash TV. Um, this, this past weekend, we were catching up on some of the, um, uh, some of the Real Housewives drama. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit of an Anglophile, so, so I was watching a, a documentary on the Windsors. I uh, can't wait for the, for the crown to come back out. Uh, the Righteous Gemstones, they just came out with a new season for that. And so I'm all over the place, but, but very little of it is, uh, <laughs> is good and productive. Well, you need some escape too. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> there are much worse hobbies you could have. So sure. that's right. <laughs> How about you, Susan? What, what does your life look like away from work? Well, um, not as exciting as Jason's life. That, that is for sure. Um, so um, outside of work, I also am a dog mom um, to Ellie and Boomer. Um, who you may hear during during the podcast, um, but enjoy spending lots of time with them and, and walking them. I love hiking. Um, I love hanging out with my husband and um, and uh, 
you know, just enjoying the outdoors as much as much as possible. Um, my um, what I'm reading and watching also is probably not something I should share on a professional level, but I just, you know, like to sort of watch Netflix and listen to fiction, murder mysteries on my um, on my Audible or on podcast, um, that sort of thing. Um, prior to COVID, I really enjoyed traveling and connecting with friends and families across the, the country and the world. And that was really um, something I enjoyed. Just haven't had as much time to do that. And now that I know that Jason has the title of world's greatest uncle, I'm going to say that I am world's greatest aunt and just name myself that. Um, I love spending time with my niece and nephews. Um, my oldest nephew is 28 years old. I can't believe he is that old and getting married this year. And um, one of the things I love most about living in Augusta is that I was able to reconnect with my niece um, who just turned 10. So I tried to have the, the best Aunt Susan playdates ever. Um, and so those are some of the things I enjoy doing um, outside of work. Wonderful. Well, excellent. And congratulations to both of you on your prestigious titles. <laughs> Maybe that's another podcast episode. So excellent. Um, well, so now let's shift gears to your professional experience and everybody's sort of journey into and through and beyond higher education is their own story. So Susan, would you mind starting this time and just kind of tell a little bit about how you got to the role that you're in now? Sure. Um, so I really got involved as an undergraduate student at Georgia Southern University with student leadership positions and organizations. I really fell in love with orientation and I was an orientation leader there for two years. Um, and because of my orientation coordinator, Dr. Michelle McManus Howard, um, he's now at the University of Georgia, I decided that I wanted to go into this work, right? She just made an incredible impression on me. I just wanted to be her. So I probably spent the first, um, you know, couple of years of my professional life trying to be to be Michelle. Um, I looked and I looked up to other people who advised and mentored me um, as well. So I realized that you could do this work for a living. Um, so I went straight into grad school after um, undergrad at Bowling Green State University. Um, and in graduate school, I, I did a NOTA internship, um, you know, and immediately looked for orientation jobs um, after, after graduate school. Um, once I was um, in an orientation role, um, someone kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you should really be at admissions. You really have um, what it takes to, to do very well in admissions. And that was um, Dr. Teresa Thompson. Um, and she invited me to join her in admissions um, at Georgia Southern University. I had returned to my undergrad um, for a professional position there. And I really just went up through the ranks of assistant director, associate director, and then was director of admissions at Georgia Southern. And I would say that after that, I was really hooked on enrollment management. Um, Teresa was phenomenal at teaching me about admissions. She really took me under her wing um, and really helped me to grow and develop. She connected me with a lot of professional organizations and professional development opportunities. So I feel like I was able to learn so much from her experience, but also through her investment in me, because she certainly invested um, in my professional development and growth. Uh, so like I said, after that, I was hooked on enrollment management. My next two jobs were AVP for enrollment management at two different campuses. And um, in that, those roles, I actually reported to academic affairs. So I, I switched from student affairs to academic affairs, went to the other side 
Um, and I was able to um, sit on uh, Dean's Council, um, really interact more with the um, academic side of each university where I worked, um, and truly understand how the academic mission connects to, with enrollment management. Um, and in that role, um, by reporting to the provost, um, Dr. Lori Gonzalez, who was one of my a provost was really a supervisor and mentor to me and really helped me to understand um, the academic um, cadence, right, that allows you to um, really um, understand how enrollment management should work. Um, so now I have the best of both worlds. I'm vice president of enrollment and student affairs at Augusta University, and uh, it's a job I love because it combines my knowledge and experience in enrollment management um, with my passion for serving students. So um, it's a perfect fit for me, and I, I love being here at Augusta. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And Jason, how about you? Yeah, so my uh, role in, <clears throat> excuse me, my uh, kind of role in student affairs uh, has, has been really uh, what I think most people would consider traditional. Uh, similar to Susan, uh, I was really involved uh, as an undergraduate. Uh, I was an undergraduate at Delta State University in Mississippi, a small public school, about 4,000 students there. Go Fighting Okra uh, was our mascot. Um, but again, I just kind of did those some similar things. Orientation was really kind of my first love uh, in student affairs as well, and, and understanding that you can do this, uh, as Susan said, for a living and, and kind of get paid for it. Uh, I remember having that, that kind of aha moment. I was a, a student employee, a student worker uh, in the dean of students office. Uh, the dean of students at the time was Steve Watson, and Steve walks by, and I'm sitting at the work-study desk, and, he, and he, I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, what's wrong, Jason? You look like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I was really kind of at that point where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I, I talked to him about it and he said, well, what about this? And, and this student affairs stuff. Uh, and I was like, yeah, you guys do get paid to do this, don't you? Uh, and, and he said, not much, but we do. Uh, <laughs> so, so again, that's really kind of when I, I got turned on to this as, as an opportunity uh, for a career path. Um, at the time I was serving under a vice president for student affairs Dr. Wayne Blancett, uh, one of those just uh, amazing human beings. Uh, he, he had been in that role, I think served for 30 years in the VP role at Delta State and, and was a tremendous mentor, very much of a father figure uh, for me as well. Uh, and, and Dr. Blancett uh, encouraged me to, to go on. I actually finished up at Delta State and then uh, was, was employed there for a couple of years uh, right out of undergrad, uh, working in um, student leadership, uh, orientation there, uh, student government, uh, programming, those kinds of things, and then decided that that I, I did need to, to have that graduate school experience. And so I went off to the University of Georgia, go dogs, uh, where uh, I met some amazing uh, folks that just um, impacted me as a human being and, and of course my career as well. Dr. Marilee Dunn, uh, the, the, one of the professors there, uh, Marilee, who now has become <clears throat> She was a professor and, and, a, and a colleague. Uh, now she's become a dear, dear friend uh, of, of mine. Uh, amazing woman there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also had the amazing opportunity to work um, with a woman, Angie Morell. Uh, I worked in, in housing there. It's where my graduate assistantship was and learned a ton of stuff uh, under, under Angie. Angie, uh, unfortunately, um, passed away last year very unexpectedly uh, and left a tremendous impact on, on the lives of everyone she touched. So, uh, so I, I honor her every opportunity I get there. 
Um, when I when I finished up at Georgia, um, just kind of did that big job search and, and didn't know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. I ended up landing back at Delta State again, my undergraduate uh, institution and worked in, in the career center there. Uh, and again, that wasn't something that I had necessarily wanted to do, not an area that I that I thought that I wanted to explore. Uh, but once I got into it, oh my gosh, what a fun, uh, functional area that is, helping students figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up uh, and, and help connect them to the, to the outside world. That was an amazing opportunity uh, there. Decided, uh, again, that, that I was not really good at, at balancing school and work at the same time. I tried that uh, and, and knew that I needed to, to work on some doctoral work. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I found myself uh, at Clemson. Uh, university under, of course, the, the amazing faculty there, um, Tony Cawthon and Pam Havis at the time. Uh, Tony and Pam were amazing, wonderful folks. I worked with James Satter, Satterfield uh, there as well. Uh, and again, just had a, an amazing group of folks around me to help support uh, me and, and encourage my learning uh, there. I found this tiny little school in South Carolina called Coker College, a small private uh, liberal arts institution in Hartsville, South Carolina. I applied to be the dean of students there. I like them, they like me. And, and before I knew it, uh, I'd been there for five years as the dean of students, um, was promoted to associate provost and dean of students by the time that I left there. But again, an amazing opportunity uh, to work uh, with uh, some great professionals, amazing students, uh, stu those students that become friends after, after they graduate. Uh, so I have tremendous things. I left a little piece of my heart uh, on that campus in Hartsville. Uh, in Coker University now. They have, uh, they have since gone and grown into a university uh, and then found this other little school called the College of Coastal Georgia here uh, in Brunswick, Georgia. Beautiful little place. Uh, again, an amazing institution. Uh, I came to Coastal as the Vice President for Student Affairs uh, and then uh, found myself uh, as the Vice President of Student Affairs and Enrollment Management. So unlike Susan, um, my, my career in enrollment management came much later. I really see myself uh, as a student affairs practitioner turned enrollment manager uh, as, as we kind of look at that. And I think that that, that influences and impacts the way uh, that, that, that I look at, at the enrollment cycle and, and why that's important. Um, Susan and I have, have kind of established this, this great connection there uh, in that I believe that, <clears throat> I don't want to put words in your mouth, Susan, but you've called yourself an enrollment manager turned student affairs person. Uh, so we, we kind of approach our same, our same works, but in, in a little bit of a, of a different idea uh, and approach there. Yes, and I would agree with that, Jason, and allow you to put words in my mouth. While we have much in common um, in terms of our, our, our stories and things that we're interested in, that approach is different, but we yin and yang quite well together, I think. How did your paths cross originally? So we were talking a little bit before recording about how you work together or how Jason decides you're going to do things and then you <laughs> agree, Susan, to do them. Um, but how did that, how did that connection, how'd you build your relationship together? 
Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I would say this if she was in the room or if she wasn't. Susan Davies is one of the most amazing human beings uh, I've, I've, I've ever met, uh, not to mention a dang good professional uh, in what she does. So if you know her, you love her, and you know that it doesn't take long uh, to, to, to just become enamored with, with who she is and what she does and the work she does. And so, uh, Susan, I, you, you had been, I had been in, in Georgia for a short time. You are, were coming back. Uh, to to the state and and we met at a university system of Georgia meeting and yes right yes that is that is right and um, I think um, our first conversation was um, over a drink at a bar actually you know we were we went to the meetings of course and saw each other but I think that's where the true bond um, occurred so um um, this and when it when it started and, and I appreciate your kind compliments Jason but um, I was just drawn to Jason and immediately I think we just became fast friends from that that first moment I remember thinking where's this guy been my whole life we need to we need to be together so um, it was just um, a match made in heaven yeah you know it, it's amazing Michelle one of the things that is we were talking a little bit earlier about our approaches um, again I I was serving uh, this is a really funny story I was serving as a faculty member on uh, the NPI new new professionals Institute um, for 2018 and 2019 I believe if I have my years right um, and and one of the things that, that I had done was pulled together a, a, a presentation to talk to new professionals about enrollment management Management and what student affairs folks need to know about that. Uh, as Susan and I were talking, she was on the faculty for the Mid Managers Institute and had done the exact same thing for mid managers. And so we, it was one of those, wait, what? You did what? Uh, so we pulled our materials together and they were incredibly similar. It's almost like we had, if, a prof- if we turned those into a professor, they would have thought that we were, we were cheating from each other because uh, there were so many parallels there. Uh, but, but again, approach from just a little bit of, of a different angle that I, I think gives us enough uh, interest there to, to, to talk about this in, in different ways. Well, and that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is what what was in those presentations? You know, people listening are going to be coming from different functional areas, different um, institutional types. When you kind of boil down, so this is enrollment management 101, what's the work look like? Who are the partners? How do you set and work toward goals? What what do you do? Well, that is um, a very a number of very broad questions. I'll try to boil down um, the answer as, as, as I can. So I think in both of our presentations, we start off with, you know, what is our definition of enrollment management? And for me, it's really about having a systematic set of activities or integration of our processes in order to create a, a seamless transition for our students from recruitment and graduation. Um, that allows us to achieve our optimum enrollment where optimum is defined within the academic mission of the institution. And I should say that I'm, I'm pulling together several um, definitions from um, different authors of enrollment management who um, maybe some of your listeners have, have read, um, um, but um, that would be the way that I would describe enrollment management. So uh, defining what our enrollment goals should be, what our aspirational goals are, and, and trying to develop the, those processes to, to reach, reach those goals um, with the 
with the buy-in of the entire, entire university. And that's one of the reasons why I love enrollment management. And, and one of the reasons why I think I loved orientation as an undergraduate student is you really get to have this view of the entire university and how everything fits together. So for me, it's really about integration. I think in, in student affairs and in higher ed, we talk a lot about collaboration, um, but for me, it's really about the integration of our, our units. So collaboration, you're not, you're working together, but there's still probably a crack that a student could fall through. And when you have a strong enrollment management um, system on your campus, your processes are integrated where the student never falls through a crack. So if you're recruiting them, you're retaining them, um, they're progressing through graduation, and it's kind of like a web where you're escorting them through um, that college experience to make sure they reach uh, the finish line. So um, that's that's a definition that I would that I would provide for enrollment management. I mean, ultimately, um, when we talk about enrollment management, we are talking about meeting enrollment goals, and this is where the um, enrollment management side of me me comes out because. Um, one of the things I love about enrollment management, it's it's pretty clear. Either you have the numbers or you don't have the numbers, right? It's a it's a, a quantitative research project, and um, so it, it there, there doesn't there's not a lot, a lot to be left up to interpretation. Now, of course, that can be good or bad for you, depending upon where you fall on meeting those enrollment goals. But um, those are that's another thing that I think is important for um, for folks to understand. Um, I'll stop there and see if Jason has anything else to add. I have a few other things that I, I could add since that was a layered question, but I'll give Jason a chance to, to chime in. Yeah, no, Susan, I, I absolutely agree. Again, that that kind of from, from beginning to end uh, process, you, you think about en enrollment management really touching every, uh, every part of the campus, um, and, and it, it absolutely does. Did you have Can you answer all of your questions, Michelle? Yeah, I think so. Okay, good, well, good, good. And I think it's interesting too because you don't want to be too far off of your goal either way, right? Right. You definitely exactly. want to meet that number, but if you overshoot by too much, that can cause other issues as well. So great. Exactly. So class seats, your um, housing beds, sure. Yes, there. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's definitely um, an art as much as it is a, a science. Enrollment management, and I, I've said that many times as well. Um, but I've been on both sides where you've met your enrollment goals. Um, where you haven't met your enrollment goals, um, as well as where you have exceeded them. And I know when you get the phone call from the director of housing to the director of admissions that he doesn't have enough beds to put the students in, that's not a really good, really good phone call that you want to you want to have. So it's good to have a relationship um, with your partners, that's for sure. Well, and that that leads to the next question, which is, you know, we know that areas don't operate in a vacuum or silos, or at least that's our, our hope for the profession. When you think about some of the primary partners in your work, what areas, student affairs or otherwise, do you find yourselves partnering with most frequently? Yeah, Michelle, and, and you know, is it a cop-out if I say everybody? Uh, can, <laughs> can I do that? Uh, but because if you provide just a little more depth, I'll <laughs> give that as a But because it's it's really, really true. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned being a, a little bit of a late bloomer to, to enrollment management as an idea. Um, 
but but really it's one of those things where where for the longest time you you may have heard enrollment managers or, or just people on your campus in general say enrollment is is everyone's responsibility and 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 that that's that's not a cop out by any means it's not trying to trying to dissipate the, the responsibility there uh, but but it's absolutely true uh, as Susan described and defined uh, enrollment management being kind of that web of support that we that we keep students through or that we help students through um, as, as they not only enter the institution, but transition into the institution uh, and then support them all the way through the institution in hopes that, that they're going to graduate at the other end, every uh, entity on campus really does touch that in some way. When you, when you think about the traditional areas of that we would define as probably an enrollment management function, things like admissions and financial aid and registrar, uh, sometimes bursar, uh, student financial services, those kinds of things. Uh, th then of course, we start really making some of those connections, right? Uh, Susan and I both talked about our, our experience with orientation. Uh, once we get students onto campus, helps transitioning them uh, on onto campus. Many times you'll find orientation in an enrollment management function. Sometimes it's in the student affairs kind of uh, area, but sometimes it may be in an enrollment management. But even before then, um, when you think about the people, the admissions counselors that are on your campus, uh, that are really the roadrunners, the ones that are going out and spreading the good word about your institution, um, all of the things that that those folks need, the knowledge base that they need to be able to go out and have conversations with students um, and their parents, quite frankly, um, about um, your institution. Uh, there's really a, a ton of folks that help influence that as well. So of course, what we're talking about is we're talking about sharing and, and, and I'm going to use the S word selling uh, because to a certain extent it is, um, selling your institution to a new student, uh, you're, you're obviously going to talk about the academic programs. You're going you're gonna to need to know and, and, and understand how those work. You're going to talk about the financial pieces of that and all of the support um, units that, that help support, help students figure out how to pay for college um, through admissions and, I'm sorry, through financial aid and scholarships and, uh, and again, the, the Bursar student financial services function of those. Um, those recruiters, uh, admissions counselors, are amazing, wonderful individuals who, if you want to know something on your campus, ask an orientation professional or ask an admissions counselor. More than likely, those two groups of folks on your campus are going to be the most knowledgeable uh, about your campus as a whole. Uh, but again, those 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 partners that, that help us uh, find all of that knowledge, getting students onto campus. And then as we think about our um, our retention initiatives uh, that are on campus, all of the things that, that are involved with that, whether it's the, the things that are happening in housing uh, through supporting students when they're outside of the classroom, academic um, affairs and support. Um, our academic tutoring center on campus is called The Attic, a really cool name. It's not located in The Attic, but, but again, those folks are, are helping students uh, all the time, helping them be successful. Um, great relationships with faculty and departments that when students hit those road bumps are those roadblocks or are those bumps in the road, um, how we can reach out and, and have those conversations about how to help them through those roadblocks or over those bumps uh, to continue on. And then, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my fondness of, of the Career Center and, and all of the things that they're doing to help prepare students 
um, to, to market themselves and, and to get out uh, and, and to be successful when, they, when they've moved on. Um, and then, of course, we go back and we utilize some of the functions that you might not necessarily think that uh, enrollment management might utilize, like our alumni base. Um, sometimes our alumni are our best recruiters. Uh, so we'll tap on the shoulders of, of those folks. So, so when, when I say everyone on campus, I truly mean everyone, not to mention, by the way, those support systems that we have on our campus that allows us to do the work that we do, our friends over in the physical plant, our, our uh, event setup folks, uh, the president's office, incredibly uh, supportive, uh, the provost's office, all of those support, support systems that we have just to do the work that we do. Uh, gosh, we couldn't do our work without them. Mm -hmm. That's great. Jason, I'm so glad that you talked about the ways different ways that um, enrollment management is structured as an organizational concept uh, at different college campuses, right? Because it is different everywhere. Um, one of the things that I've, I've tried to introduce um, at the different campuses where I've been is the notion of big EM, so big enrollment management or capital enrollment management, referring to the organizational structure um, on the campus. And little EM, enrollment management, lowercase e, lowercase m, referring to all of the functions that connect to enrollment management, which are all of the ones that you describe so beautifully um, throughout the student life cycle. Um, and that using that vocabulary kind of allows me to have conversations and bring those folks who may not identify as an enrollment management, bring them into the conversation so that they understand that, yeah, what you're doing is enrollment management. You, you doesn't mean you have to report into enrollment management, but what we're doing um, is definitely enrollment management. And um, whether it's recruitment or, or retention um, efforts or developing access for students, um, whatever that might be, um, that, that becomes enrollment management, but little e, little m. And, and that kind of allows us that vocabulary to, to be able to see ourselves or, or, or get more people to see themselves in this important work. You know, um, when I interviewed from my conduct position, I had a conversation with the vice president and he said, so what is conduct work to you? And I said, every conduct hearing is a retention effort. So, you know, even the perhaps not favorite experience that some students have on campus, it really is about retaining students, connecting them to the resources that they might need and making the most out of whatever the situation is in terms of learning and moving forward. So I love that. And that idea of the integration and the sort of woven nature of how we all support the work because people carry their stories of their experiences with them forward as well. So that's great. What, you know, in the <clears throat> current context, with the pandemic, um, I just have to imagine that in the last couple of years, it's been very difficult because some students took some time before going to college that maybe wouldn't have before. How have you all navigated that? How do you partner with like colleagues doing the work at other institutions? Because I, I just picture these phone calls of we don't know what's going to happen. What are you doing? You know, what has that looked and felt like for you all? 
I think you may have been listening in on some of our conversations <laughs> over the course of the past two years, Michelle. Um, you know, I think I said earlier that enrollment management is both a science and an art, but the pandemic threw all of the science out of the window. Um, so you can't look back at your, your trends. You can't look back at the behavior of students previously because all of that's off the table, right? Not everything changed for us. So um it, it, it's like a magic eight ball. Will we meet our enrollment? Shake it up. Hope it says yes. And so I think that so many of us um, wearing the enrollment management hat really switched to a managing expectations role. Um, so really managing expectations with our, our president's cabinet, with our campus leadership, with others um, of, of, of what was happening, helping them to understand the state and national context of what was happening with enrollment, helping to explain how our, our prior data can not predict future performance, um, and just helping to um, make sure that we all understood what, what we didn't know. <laughs> Sometimes it's really important to know what you don't know, and I think that was a lot of what we did. Um, you know, the National Student Clearinghouse has reported that more than one million fewer students are enrolled in college now than before the pandemic began more than 1 million. Now, um, and this is also coming at a time when we are about to hit our, our enrollment cliff where students um, graduating from high, from high school will be significantly fewer um, in, in the South, in our region. Um, and so this decline is, I think, making all of us who have chosen a career in enrollment management um, very nervous about um, what we need to do. It's forcing us to, to retool, to rethink um, it's forcing us to um, think very differently about how we do our work. Um, so that's that's kind of um, where I am with the pandemic. It's definitely affected our work. It's affected how we do everything, um, but it's it's really affected our ability to to predict. And I think it's going to cause all of us in higher education to start thinking thinking differently about how to connect with these students and how to get these one million fewer students connected to college. Um, whether that's community college or four-year college, um, and how do we how do we get them back? They're hard to find after they leave high school and and don't go into college. So um, you know, I think there's just a whole new space of uh, of work there, um, as well as recruiting students back to our campuses um, who may have just stopped out for whatever reason um, during the pandemic. Jason, are you sweating as much as I am? <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, beautifully said, because uh, you know, Su Susan is, is exactly right. We, we've spent a, a ton of time, uh, gosh, just scratching our heads. I think enrollment management in general and enrollment managers are, are pretty data centric. We're, we're kind of data nerds. Uh, and, and we do dig in uh, because this is a very quantifiable thing. As Susan said earlier, you either have students or you don't. And, and the students that you have, you can dig in and you can understand a little bit more about them and you know what programs they're going into and, and, and that sort of thing. And so, so to a certain extent, it, it has been relatively predictable. Uh, there've been ups and downs and, and that sort of thing, but gosh, the, the, the pandemic sure did throw everything out that window. And so uh, we, we've been in our data, we've been trying to figure things out. But of course, when when things are so squishy, it, it's really, really difficult 
um, for us to be able uh, to to do that. Um, also, what we're what we're all trying to get our heads wrapped around. Uh, Susan mentioned this, uh, alluded to this, is is that the changing expe expectation of students as they're coming in. Again, we had some sort of idea as to what the, the college experience looked like for a couple of different populations, right? Obviously our, our traditional freshmen that we think of that are coming onto our campuses, we kind of understood what, what they might want and, and how to provide it. Um, adult learners, uh, people that are coming back to school, we kind of understood those folks um, as well. Um, as we were mentioning at the, before we started recording about how the pandemic has allowed us to, to work differently, um, and, and how we, we're really kind of enjoying that. Also, the pandemic is, is really changing expectations as to how students want to consume higher education or their education in general. Um, and so for institutions that, that maybe are a little slow to that or slow to kind of pivot in those ways or to understand what kind of their market needs or wants, um, that's a really, really difficult thing for us to, to, to do. And institutions can be um, adversely affected or, uh, as a result of that. So um, it, it is an absolute nail biter of a time <laughs> to, to be in enrollment management um, because to, to, a, to a certain extent, the rest of the campus is looking to us uh, to bring them students. Right, we're we're the ones that that are held uh, held responsible for for how many folks that we have in classrooms and in residence halls and in dining halls and in those kinds of things. And so uh, it, it's really incumbent on us to try to figure those things out to the best way that we can uh, and and pivot uh, help the institution pivot uh, in those ways. And so I want to kind of go bring that back to the conversation we had earlier about the partners that we have on campus. Um, you know, as, as we identify some of these changing trends. Um, in enrollment and, and what the expectation is in the market. Um, it's also our responsibility to, to partner up with folks across the campus about how we're delivering content, how we're, uh, we're, we're talking about this in these ways, how we can deliver um, a, a student experience um, outside of the classroom to an online student. What is that looking like? Um, and help the, the campus understand those, those uh, trends. Well, and again, you're, you all are doing a beautiful job of setting me up for the next question. So I appreciate that. But kind of thinking about how are you sharing information and how are you um, strengthening connections and things like that. You all have an upcoming pre-conference for the national the NASPA National Conference. And I want to make sure I get the title right. Um, it's called Because No One Told You So, What All Student Affairs Practitioners Need to Understand About Enrollment Management. Would you talk a little bit about what, what will you be covering in that pre-conference? What can people look forward to? Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that, uh, Michelle. And, and I want to explain that title, where that title came from. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier about Susan and I kind of having our, our own versions of this uh, that we just pulled together. Uh, but I also mentioned uh, that I, I started in student affairs and kind of became an enrollment manager when manager when I was kind of put in charge of that. Um, and so at the time, what what I did was, of course, I, I do what a lot of us do. I went back and I I was drawing on my my prof 
professional uh, prep preparation programs, right? I looked back at my master's work and my, my doctoral work there and, and, and tried my best to, to draw on some sort of, of information that I had and, uh, and realized that we had not talked about enrollment management um, in either one of those programs. And so uh, I called my good friends that I mentioned at the top of the, uh, top of the hour, Merrily Dunn and, and Tony Cawthon both, um, and said, shame on you. Shame on you for letting me get through uh, a, a real two amazing uh, professional preparatory programs and not talk about this. And and again, uh, our friend Tony uh, said, "Well, come talk about it. But let's let's talk about this. Let's make sure that we're having this conversation uh, in a couple of of, of our." Uh, prep programs in, in that way. And so, so that's really kind of where, where the title was born. Because again, in, in my professional uh, development, we really didn't talk about this in student affairs uh, and about the impact uh, thereof. And it wasn't until I was in the enrollment manager seat that I saw those connections and realized why that was an important topic. Um, so again, Susan, of course, being an enrollment manager, uh, her, her whole career, professional career up until this point, uh, saw those, those same kind of, uh, I don't want to call them deficits, but uh, some of those same uh, conversations that were, were or weren't happening in student affairs as well. So, so I, I think that that, that kind of helps frame uh, our conversation. What we'll do in, in the session um, is, is we will pretend as if uh, our attendees know nothing about enrollment management. Uh, and we really kind of take them from the very beginning of, of the definition of it, what, uh, what parts um, usually make up an enrollment um, uh, enrollment uh, division there, uh, talk a little bit about the, the big EM enrollment management and the little EM enrollment management that Susan mentioned earlier, uh, and then really kind of help frame uh, the, 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 the idea of the work that, that student affairs practitioners are doing and why that is so incredibly important and why we are all enrollment managers, whether, whether we think of ourselves uh, in that way or not. We do some digging in uh, on individual campuses um, we're we're going to ask our, our um, participants to to pull out their their devices and really kind of research their own institution in ways that they probably haven't done yet, uh, and talk about how uh, the population that we have and the population that, that comes in through enrollment management uh, really impacts the work that student affairs folks do, um, and and it's a, it's a really really great it's it's always one of those eye opener. Uh, kind of things. Like I said, Susan's done this presentation a couple of times. I've done it uh, in a couple of different settings. Um, and and we, we inevitably have folks walk away saying, gosh, I really didn't think about that in those ways. Um, and it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to, again, continue to get out and um, spread the good word uh, about the good work that, that's happening on campuses through the, enroll the traditional enrollment management units, but also expand that, that definition so that people see themselves as really um, uh, professionals that are helping students succeed. Awesome. And probably bringing both complete novices along in community with some people with some experience. So, you know, that idea of learning in community and sharing ideas and struggles, it's, um, while I'm guessing that sometimes different institutions compete for the same students, there, you want the student to find the best opportunity for them. So there really is some communal partnership that potentially I, I imagine happens in the work that you all do. 
Great. Sure. So the goal of admissions is to recruit the students to the campus, um, but the goal of enrollment management is to keep the students on the campus as well, right? So um, it's, it definitely takes, takes all of us together. So I've found in my career that um, admissions professionals don't share a lot about what they're doing to recruit students. You go to admissions conferences, there's not a lot of sharing um, because we are in competition, but when you start talking about retention work, um, uh, there is a lot of sharing and a lot of collaboration that, that can occur. Um, and you're exactly right, Michelle. We certainly don't want a student to select our institution who is not going to be happy there, feel a sense of belonging, um, feel a connection, because we know we won't retain that student. So sure, part of it, the admissions work is helping students to differentiate and discern um, what's different about uh, campuses that they might be choosing and helping them to understand understand fit. It's a real, it's a real thing. <laughs> well, and, you know, we talk about lifelong learners a lot, but what you're kind of, or what I, the way I'm hearing it is you're talking about lifelong students and lifelong affiliations. So again, yeah, that admission point is in some ways it's the start, although the start might be my favorite uncle or aunt went to the university and I've always loved this school um, so it can start before we're students on a campus, but then continuing, like you said, through persistence, retention, and but then also beyond graduation. So um, it's a much bigger umbrella. I think I'll just speak for myself. My default is to think about recruitment and admissions, but I never worked in those areas, but I would consider myself somebody who advocated for student success which is a part again of, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you start talking about it. It's like, and then this area matters and this area matters and that matters. So um, Jason, she's drinking the Kool-Aid. I like I, it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, this is the exact, what I was mentioning earlier, those aha moments that we get at the end of, uh, yeah. of these presentations are, is exactly what you're doing now. So, so, so for two enrollment managers, you're just thrilling us to death. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it really is, I, and I think I mentioned this, I can't remember if it was during the recording or before we talked, There's this is an area where I have a lot of learning to do. And, um, but again, it's this idea of working in community, you know, in support of the institutional mission with the success of students at the center. So I love that. Um, so, okay, so, You've got people who are excited about this. They want to learn more. They want to get involved. I know that you all uh, serve as co-chairs for NASPA's Enrollment Management Knowledge Community. So for the graduate student or the listener to this podcast or someone who comes to your pre-conference and they're like, I'm, I'm with you. How can I do more? What suggestions do you have for people who would like to get more involved in the work? Um, so if you have a graduate student who is listening today and wants to be more involved with our knowledge community, we would love to offer you a practicum or an opportunity to work with us with our knowledge community. Um, we certainly could use, use your help. So um, please, please reach out to one of us and, and let us know for sure. Um, our knowledge community is, um, is, is growing. We're having kind of a, a reboot on our, our knowledge community. And so we're um, 
happy for anyone to join us who's interested in this work. Um, you can join our knowledge community just like you would join any knowledge community through logging in um, to NASPA and selecting um, enrollment um, management. Um, we also have a Region 3 representative um, for SACSA, Megan Smith from Delta State University. She works in financial aid and she is our Region 3 representative on our enrollment management knowledge community. And we also need some volunteers to serve on our knowledge community leadership team. If anybody is interested in that and being a part of this work, um, we need volunteers for a regional coordinator, um, research and scholarship, communications and social media, and um, events. We are planning to host um, um, different events, uh, learning sessions uh, about enrollment management, and to offer those for beginners, intermediate, and advanced level over the course of the next year. So those are some of the things that we're, we're planning to do, and we would love to have anyone who's interested in this work to join us. Yeah. Michelle, I'll just add that, you know, the knowledge community uh, for enrollment management in NASPA is, is still really, really young. Uh, the knowledge community is only a couple of years years old. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's as a result of this being, first of all, enrollment management as, as a functional area on most campuses is still really young. We thought that student affairs was a young uh, area of, of study. Uh, enrollment management, uh, as we think about it in those terms, uh, really is, is young as well. But, but, but again, uh, we need to give a shout out to uh, Mark Allen Poisel, uh, Janine Ward-Roof, um, uh, and, and a couple other folks who who really kind of saw that need, the need that I was talking about earlier, that that we in student affairs need to be talking about this and need to be a little bit more well versed in in this and and really kind of set the groundwork for this knowledge community. So it's a it's a fun opportunity for us to to get folks uh, who may be those traditional student affairs folks um, involved in in this conversation. Wonderful. Well, I think the last scripted question I have, and then you can also share whatever I forgot to ask you about, but I'm going to ask for your predictions related to your work, okay? And I don't want to like corner you in on numbers and things like that, but when you look at our current context and you think to what's coming next, how do you think the work itself might change? You know, whether it is partnerships, whether it is new approaches, um, bringing more people to the table in the conversations, which is really at the heart of what you all are currently doing. What do you think the future of your work looks like? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Uh, Michelle, and one that, that I think every enrollment manager um, in, in the in the world right now is, is probably trying to trying to figure out uh, there. Uh, uh, Susan mentioned a little bit earlier uh, that that we know that that there's what we're calling the the enrollment cliff coming uh, around 2025. Um, we know that the number of high school students that will be graduating uh, from high school uh, will be will drop pretty significantly over those next couple of years. Uh, and so again, we're all kind of bracing for that. As we talk about the impact that that's going to have uh, on our work, we're, we're really needing to, to pull together uh, at this point as an institution and, and figure out, okay, what is that going to mean for us, right? Are, are there other opportunities uh, for us to, um, uh, to, 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 uh, 
entice other other subpopulations to, to come to college? How do we as an institution uh, need to change and pivot so that that's an easier way for us to do that? As I was mentioning earlier, um, right now, probably more so than we've done in a very long time, um, we're really digging in to try to understand what the, the, the market and the population wants and needs from us um, at this particular time. Um, so all of those things are, are shifting and changing. And like I say, it's it, we, we know that, that this 2025, 2026 cliff is, is coming. Uh, we're having to do this at a really, really rapid speed. Um, there will be some institutions that when 2025, 2026 come, uh, that they'll never miss a beat. Uh, and, and they will always have as many students as, as they so choose. Um, but there's a lot of, lot of institutions. As a matter of fact, the majority of institutions um, really do need to be asking themselves um, when those populations are are, are, are dropping or, or aren't quite as plentiful, how are we as an institution going to continue to, to, to do what it is that we do? Um, uh, how are we going to continue to serve the populations? Are, are we going to serve them in the same ways? Um, and, and how might we want to pivot that? Susan, I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on that. Sure. So um, I, I agree with so much of what you said, Jason. I mean, it's really it's just thinking about how to do things um, very differently than we're, we're doing them now. I mean, we will not be doing things the same way um, tomorrow, frankly. And we've learned that since March 13th of, of 2020. Um, it's just a constantly, constantly moving um, for us, for sure. You know, I think I think articulating the value of the college education is a challenge for all of us moving ahead. And um, I value higher education. That's why I've chosen this work. Um, that's why I, I do what I do. Um, but being able to communicate that to a variety of different students and their families in perhaps a more meaningful way than we have in the past. I mean, we have a million students who are not enrolled in higher education, a million fewer students. So what have they chosen to do? Well, they've chosen to, to go and, and, and get a job, right, instead. So if I can make $20 an hour at the gas station now, why do I need to go um, to college, for example? And so helping, um, I think our partners in student affairs are so important um, to articulating that value. Um, what outcomes data do our career services have? Um, what are we able to talk about in terms of the value proposition of the student affairs experience on our campus, as well as the academic experience, you know, on our campus? So I think um, that's a real challenge. I know we've talked about that over the course of the last decade. There's been a lot of conversation about the value of um, higher education, but I think that with where we are right now, that becomes even more important. Um, I think also um, understanding that the different populations of students and how to really contribute to student success is going to continue to be important because once we recruit those students, wow, we do not need to leave them, lose them. I'm sorry, we do not need to lose them. Um, we need our retention rates to go up, up, up for sure, because we need to hold on to the ones that we have recruited. And that's going to really involve, I think, um, the, the faculty even more than have ever been involved uh, before, because our faculty are seeing the students 
frankly, more than student affairs are seeing the students. And now with so, many, so much online delivery, um, that happens more and more where the faculty may be the only contact um, that the university has with a student. And so again, faculty have always been vital to retention and student success, but I think that, that we're gonna see that um, change as well in the future. And I think that in student affairs, we're going to have to also think about reframing some of what we do to a student success um, frame um, so that uh, we can be even more um, diligent in understanding how what we do impacts a retention, persistence, and graduation. Again, I think that's always been on some of our minds, but I think it will be a bit more pronounced um, in the future. Um, so, you know, those are just a few, a few predictions of, of what we might be able to expect. Well, I'll keep track, and if you're right, I'll give you credit, and if you're wrong, I'll have you back and defend what you said. So, um, But I, I mean, what we've learned over the last couple of years is we have to be adaptable, and sometimes it's very hard to guess what challenges we might be facing. So are there any closing thoughts or comments or things you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you about as we start to kind of wrap up things you want to highlight? I had one thing that I wanted to highlight for um, listeners who sit squarely on the student affairs side. Um, I want them to know that your enrollment management partners, capital E, big E, big M, um, your enrollment management partners, they need your help. They, they may not know how to ask for your help. Um, maybe they do, but they need your help. They need your help in this work. Um, so, schedule a meeting with someone in enrollment management, um, you know, chat with them about how you can help. I think there's so many opportunities and points of intersection and opportunities for integration of our processes. Um, you know, everything from summer camps, um, leadership programs and summer camps, as Michelle said, that um, recruitment and identification with a college you may want to attend starts really early, you know, in middle school, sometimes younger than younger than that. Um, making sure you have a strong understanding of the students who are going to be coming to your campus in the next two to five years. You know, we know that there's going to be an increase in first generation college students, students of color. Do you have the programs already built into student affairs um, that are going to be able to um, support these students? who may look a little different from your current student population. So while the pandemic has taught us to be flexible, nimble, adaptable, not to know what's gonna come next, we do know some of the things that are coming next. There is something you can see in the crystal ball. And so let's start preparing for that now. So chat with your enrollment management person on your campus um, and, and start, start those conversations. Just go out for a coffee even. It doesn't have to be something that's um, a, a formal meeting, but just start to develop those relationships and, and outreach and offer your help. And I'm sure that, that they will take you up on it. The only piece that I would, I would add to that is, is again, um, establishing those relationships, especially for the listeners um, who, who maybe want to be in an upper administrative uh, administration kind of position. Uh, we, one of the best pieces of advice that I was given uh, in my career was to learn to think of the institution globally, understanding all of the things that, that impact uh, an institution and, and how and why that, that happens. Uh, and nothing impacts, in my opinion, an institution more than uh, the students that we're bringing to it. Um, so, so again, having those conversations and understanding that, uh, understanding that the enrollment management 
uh, piece of this is so incredibly important. Uh, and so the, the more information that you can get and understand, uh, the better understanding you're going to have of the institution as a whole, uh, and, and, and the better uh, kind of view that you're going to come uh, at, at uh, your work through. I appreciate you saying that. I feel like, oh, at least within the last 10 to 15 years, more and more of those associate VP positions really are enrollment management positions. And um, I think it ties to what you all have been saying all along, that that is in so many ways the umbrella for the work of the university, academics, student affairs, business services, all of it. Um, so yeah, it is, um, it's important work in the broad sense, but also it can be very important work to being prepared to lead if that's an aspiration. And, and lead can be lots of different things for lots of different people. So, well, thank you both so much. I mean, this has been really helpful. And um, like I said, before we started, I thought I was gonna learn a lot and I did. And so that's good. So this is a great episode for Michelle. Hopefully it will be the same for the listeners. As we move ahead, um, and I, I really feel like throughout this, this was not a doom and gloom episode. You know, there really is positivity and hope and, and care and celebration coming through in the things that you are talking about. But as we wrap up, I would love for each of you to share something that's bringing you hope right now. And it can be about the work that you do, but it could also be something unrelated to that. So what, when you look around, you know, and you're having one of those bumpy days, um, what is something that you're like, and there's this, and it really kind of inspires that sense of hope. So um, one thing that brings me hope um, is, uh, is my campus, um, our campus leadership and my students. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely at the right place, and that, that brings me great hope. Um, the pandemic forced our campus, and our, including our students, to really come together collaboratively for decision-making. We started working in ways that we had never worked before, um, and we really started to break down some of the silos that we had built around ourselves um, in order to be very student-centered and support our students. So I think that the challenges that, that lie ahead for us, which they are great, even though I'm glad that you don't feel like this was a doom and gloom conversation. <laughs> the challenges are great, but I think that the pandemic taught us how to work together more collaboratively to serve students in a seamless way. And I think the pandemic also taught us on our campus um, that our students are, are, are community focused. They're they're selfless, they've been wearing their masks, you know, they care about each other. And so I think that brought um, a lot of hope to a lot of, a lot of folks. In my role, I get to see students all the time, but some of our campus leaders don't get to interact with them very much or um, don't, don't have the opportunities to, to hear from them very much or to see their successes. And so um, that gives me hope. I think that what we've learned in the past couple of years is going to prepare us anyway to move forward to help serve students even better. And, and it's just allowed us to develop relationships on our campus that are really built on trust and knowing you can count on each other because we've kind of been through the fire together. And now we're, we're ready to, to, to lead together and to serve together. So that brings me a lot of hope. Yeah. 
Thanks so yeah, Michelle, when, those days when when it has been an exceptionally tax, uh, taxing day and 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 you, you do you walk off campus or you you walk out of uh, out of your office and, and and you think okay what did I do today um, that, that helps someone um, and inevitably I come back to the idea that that higher education is a transformational experience uh, and so the work that we do no matter how we do it no matter when we do it no matter in what way we do it it's still changing people's lives we have a, a saying on on our uh, campus we serve a lot of first generation college students uh, from low income families on on my campus and and, and we say that when, when a student graduates uh, or, or is successful, just when they're successful uh, in higher education, we're not only changing um, a person, we're changing a family and a generation. Uh, and so inevitably, that, that's what's happening uh, every day on our campuses all the time. And so, so we, we, I always kind of circle back to that. Um, the, the, the thing that is also hopeful of that is as we look at the populations that are coming to us now, uh, versus the populations that we have seen before and the populations that we know are coming, as Susan mentioned earlier, uh, and we see the diversity and, and, and the, the opportunities um, that, that folks are taking uh, to, to really, um, really expand their, their families and their lives, uh, that is incredibly hopeful. We're seeing populations coming to us in numbers and in ways that they haven't in the past. Uh, and so again, that, that's just so incredibly encouraging to know that, that higher education is doing the hard work uh, to make people's lives better in populations that we have underserved in the past. Um, that's incredibly helpful. I'm so proud of the work that we're doing there. Mm -hmm. I love your comment about who have I helped today. I think for all of us, that can be a light at the end of maybe a rough day or a rough stretch of time, because that's why so many of us are in the work, you know, because someone helped us or we want to be the person that we needed. So, well, this has been a wonderful opportunity and a great experience. So I, I really want to thank you both very much. Um, I enjoyed the conversation. I love the, um, integrated approach way of thinking and hopefully this will inspire some people to do some outreach and strengthen some of those connections so i i know i've just decided there's no slow time in the air it's just all different busy time so in the different busy time of the start of the semester when we're we're recording this i just want to thank you both for giving some of your time and having the conversation today so thank you very much thank you michelle thanks for this platform Thanks for having us. So today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by SAXA, and we thank the leaders of, and the organization as a whole for their support. Additionally, this show would not be possible without Jen Lowe at the University of South Florida. Thanks, as always, for being the producer, Jen, and your support and collaboration. Make it happen. As we close, I'd like to leave with a quote, and today's quote is from Bonnie Edelstein. A group is a bunch of people in an elevator. A team is a bunch of people in an elevator, but the elevator is broken. So I don't think higher ed is broken. I don't think student affairs or academic affairs are broken, um, but we definitely have a project to work on together. So thank you very much again to my guests. Thanks to each of you who are listening. My name is Michelle Botcher. It's been a pleasure to host this episode. Take care, everyone.
and have a beautiful day.